Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. (laughs) I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Now, here's your host for Golf in the Northwest, Jason Swigard. Hey, good morning, everybody. I am not Jason Swigard. He is on a five-day bender in Nashville, Tennessee right now. I am Andy Johnson, and I am joined by uh, my buddy and my co-host on the Grip City Golf Podcast, Eric Peterson. Good morning, my man. What is up, man? You're making your radio debut today. How does it feel? There's there's not a lot of things that I want to get up for early on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Playing golf is one. Absolutely. And talking about golf is probably the other one. So, so I, that's I like a one-two on. combo. That's it. Pretty much, man. Maybe making breakfast for my kids is pretty fun. That, okay. gets, that gets the juices flowing. But okay. Saturday morning, you usually want to kind of just chillax, just hang out. But appreciate the opportunity to come in and chat with you. It is funny when, you, uh, when you're a golfer and you... <laughs> I've seen some funny memes and pictures over the years that basically say there. Everybody has the friend in their life that's a golfer that can tell you the weather like three Thursdays from now at two thirty. What is it going to look yeah. like? And it's funny how I view everything when I wake up and look outside through the lens of a golfer because oh, I'm the same way. The weather report for the last week for Saturday has just been awful. Yeah. Like it's going to pour all day. Don't make your tea times. It's going to be nasty. And I wake up this morning, I look out the window, I'm like, ah, what a pleasant surprise for anybody who had a Saturday morning tea time. This, this month has been so depressing. And so we've, talked, depressing. we've talked on the pod about airification season and like the Masters happens and you get really jacked up to like, okay, golf season is here. But it just it feels like April has been a total letdown. It has been one of the five rainiest Aprils of all time in Oregon. And I feel bad because, you know, whenever you want to criticize a golf course for bad drainage, I have to keep that in the back of my mind. Know, right? Like, is there any course out there that could stay dry through yeah. these conditions? And two weeks ago, courses were shut down because they had snow on them. Yeah, I know. That was like, so weird. What the hell are we doing in April? Somebody texted in, thanks for the sun this morning. Dirt was dreading the rainy round until you used your spring powers. You're damn right. You're welcome. Have fun golfing in the sun this morning. Yeah, so for those who don't know, I, I obviously am on the fan Monday through Friday, so this is a, a normal day job for me. Uh, Eric and I, though, do 
the Grip City Golf Podcast. And we launched it, what, about a month ago? It feels like it's been like a couple weeks, but maybe a month. Time's flown by the last month. It really has. Our first episode came out, I want to say, the week before the Masters, if I remember correctly. And uh, we've had four episodes. So you can go follow that account on Twitter, at Grip City Golf. And you can check it out. Again, four episodes up. We've talked to Peter Jacobson. Uh, We just had... Uh, Robert Wargren on from Olin Golf. What? Isn't that a cool company? Dude, such a cool company. I was playing with a buddy yesterday out of Persimmon, and I was telling him about it, and he was looking up the Instagram account, and he's like, I got I to gotta look into this. I need to buy a head cover. He's one of those guys that has more of a following than we do, and so when, I, when we ask him to be on the <laughs> right. show, it's kind of like, you probably have more to offer us than we do to you. Without but a doubt. We're, we're early in the podcast era, but it's been so fun so far to just talk with people about golf in Portland. Oh, you guys said you talked to Peter Jacobson? We did have Peter Jacobson on the show. Yes, oh we did. Oh, my gosh. It came up Peter Jacobson. I'm a super senior. <laughs> he was amazing. We had him on two years ago. Uh-huh. He was amazing. He is a great guy. Oh, my gosh. So entertaining. So awesome. The way he actually talks about the layout of courses and everything, it's not like your typical, like, slow and steady. Like, he... He, get, he almost waxes poetic about courses where, like, he won't get too into the nitty-gritty. And somebody who like me who doesn't golf, I was like, I'm actually interested in, interested like, in this. This, this is, is good. Awesome. This is entertaining. Let me ask you, So as a non-golfer, Peter Jacobson did it for you? A little bit. He was a great interview. He okay. was just so engaging, so awesome, so personable. He had so many great uh, personal stories and everything. So, like, he, he waded into golf, but he made it more personal. It was good. Well, and when we were starting our podcast and Dirt and I were putting together our wish list of people we wanted to talk with, you know, the criteria was such that we would just want someone who's going to kind of lean into conversation is going to be engaging. And as we're going down that list of kind of what are the criteria for a guest, we're like painting a picture of Peter Jacobson. I mean, cause he is so dynamic. He's so interesting. You feel like you could talk about a white piece of paper with him. <laughs> right. It would be an interesting conversation. <laughs> and it's going to go on forever yeah. and he's going to give you a thoughtful answer. And it's cool. Like our, our angle on the grip city golf podcast uh, to turn this into a full hour long infomercial. Happy Saturday morning to you is, is essentially, I mean, we just want to highlight cool stories in the Portland area. And that's why when Peter Jacobson, that name comes up because obviously he's from here. He's a PIL guy, went to the university of Oregon. They just, introduced the jake down there and the women's golf team they're competing for the championship right they're in like regional one seed in their in their region which is pretty sweet so they're having a great year this year and so they just had that practice facility built down there and so that was kind of our thought was just people from the area that are prideful about portland golf and so that's that's the spin if you want to go check it out again at grip city golf on twitter and you can check out we got four episodes up already and we got another one coming out this upcoming week let's start with something that i find to be hilarious because I I hate this guy, and I want to see if you if you agree that my hate is a rational hate of this guy, and because you actually have a, a story with him from from before all this happened. So there was a bit of a kerfuffle, if you will, in the golf world over the last couple of weeks. Anytime there's a kerfuffle on on the PGA <laughs> Tour, it's always kind of funny, right? In terms of like sports fights, golf is pretty far down the list. <laughs> like baseball, there's the hold me back, bro. We know NBA fights. You know they kind of wait for three other guys to stand in the middle, and then they kind of back away. Nobody actually wants to fight. Well, in golf, we had one. Uh, they're down in Mexico this week. And I guess crazy things can happen in Mexico. Yeah, that's where it all goes down. They're drinking too much tequila. Grayson Murray and Kevin Na nearly got in a fist fight on the driving range. So here's the backstory on it. Let me explain this in, in case anybody missed it. 
This, I guess, goes all the way back to January. And for those who don't know Kevin Na, he is an incredibly slow player. He takes forever to hit a golf shot. And admittedly so. He has said publicly yes. that, hey, I know I have a problem, which is the first step toward recovery, <laughs> you right? You have to acknowledge your issue. So, anyways. <laughs> he does. He, he acknowledges that he's a very slow player. And so he, uh, they, the Golf Channel sent out a tweet at a random tournament in January and was like, Kevin Na walking in putts never gets old. Grayson Murray saw that tweet and responded, him taking five minutes to hit the putts does get old. And this started kind of a back and forth feud where Kevin Na was taking shots at Murray, not making the cut. And he's had a rough year. And I, I didn't realize this, but he has come up and been very public about his problems with alcohol abuse and anxiety and depression. And so he's, he's not had the best of year and a half stretch. And so some people got upset that Kevin Nob was taking those shots. Like yeah, that's, that's where you're going to attack him. And so this, this escalated and then it kind of, it faded into the background a little bit again, because Murray hasn't really been on tour lately. And then this weekend, again, down in Mexico, the first time they see each other, they uh, they come face to face. Kevin Na confronts him on the driving range, and Grayson Murray basically says, "If I wasn't, you know, trying to make this cut at a golf tournament, I would punch you in the face right now <laughs> if I didn't have anything to lose." So they nearly got in a fight, and it all stemmed from slow play. So I have two things I want to throw at you. One is you have a Kevin Na backstory. And I want you to share that. And then two, what is the biggest cardinal sin that would get you to want to punch somebody in the face on a golf course? Oh, man. Well, to answer your first question, the yeah, my backstory about Kevin Na was I was caddying in the 2000 U.S. Junior Amateur at Pumpkin Ridge. I, I think I was like 17 at the time. And I was, you know, big into golf, you know, obviously not good enough to actually play in the tournament, but I thought it'd be a fun thing to go out and see the best, the best junior players, my peers, you know, people my age playing that thing. So I was caddying for this, this kid from Chicago. I don't even remember his name, to be honest with you, really good golfer, but we were paired the first two rounds is, is stroke play. We were paired with Kevin Na and, uh, on the, we were playing ghost Creek and on the. 16 or 15th, 14th hole, that par five. Yeah. 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 Creek, um, Kevin was on the back of the green. The pin was front, and I was tending the flag for him. And I don't know why his caddy wasn't. He was, I don't know if he was raking a bunker or something. And so I was tending the flag, and Kevin hits this putt. It was like a 60-footer. And I, like, I knew that course a little bit, and I kind of knew the line he needed to take, and I, it was right on that line, and it's like tracking toward the hole. And like, I'm like, as I go to take the flag out, I'm like, oh, go, go in. You know, just trying to be nice. He's not even my player, but it was such a great putt. And it lipped out like it was an incredible putt. Oh, my God. It was such an incredible putt. And so I didn't think anything of it. Kevin comes up and taps his putt in. And as he's walking off the green, he comes over to me and he says, don't ever talk to my ball again. <laughs> and I was like, dude. And, and it's not like I'm dealing with adults. Like these are other. These are he's kids a teenager. Yeah. Like I think he was a year younger than me or something. Yeah. He's like a 16 year old kid. So I'm like, bro. I And I, I said I didn't want to punch him in the face, but I just said to Kevin, I was like, Hey man, that was a really great putt. That's all I was saying. Good putt. It was on the right line. I don't and know what you want from me. And I was like, that's weird. And now every time I see him on TV, that's the first thing I think of. And then the second thing I think of is some of the issues he's had with slow play and weird <laughs> stuff that happened. Do people do that in tennis? Will can you, are you not allowed to talk to tennis balls while you hit them? <laughs> nah, man, you can scream as much as you want. <laughs> don't talk to my tennis ball. Okay. There's, the only etiquette in tennis in terms of like talking is like, don't look at someone in the eye. Because, like, then once you do that, you're instigating, and then... 
Because tennis is a thing where it's one-on-one, right? Like the only thing you're seeing. Mono mono. Yeah, you're seeing the ball, the net, and the other player, and that's it. So like they can talk to themselves and scream or get frustrated or whatever. But like once they make eye contact, then they say something. Then it's like, all right, dude, let's go then. We talk about <laughs> drop like the how- racket, let's fight. <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy to think of a fight happening on a golf course. It's also pretty crazy to think about a fight happening on a tennis court. Very, very similar settings. I mean, it's kind of intimate. It's quiet. It's peaceful. Yeah, you can't really, it, crowd can't get loud. Yeah. It's very, very <laughs> soft. You know, you can't really cheer unless it's a Ryder Cup. You know, everybody's got to be quiet. Somebody's hitting the shot. They could, but, I, to, but answer your question, too, about, like, what it would take for me to want to punch someone in the face. I've never punched someone in the face for any reason ever. I haven't either, so no. It's hard for me to imagine what it would have to be on the golf course. I mean, even if somebody said something to me that was like really overtly offensive, I I don't I don't know what it would take, man. Like it's a pretty high bar to cross. I'm with like, you there because I've never punched anybody, and I'm not a confrontational person. Uh, the Kevin Na thing, if he did that to me as a caddy, I don't. You re, you reacted with a lot of class in that moment <laughs> to just be like, dude, that was a good putt, and I like was, let's walk to the next tee box. I think I, mostly I was just in shock. I, I mean, how are you not right? I mean, you're just sitting there like. You're, you're doing the natural human reaction of you almost made a 60-foot snaked putt. Like, that's an incredible effort. Like, yeah. go get in the hole. Like, you're just reacting as somebody who's cheering for you, but you can't talk to a golf ball. Like, so that just kind of, for those who don't know who Kevin Na is, those are two great stories to tell you who Kevin Na is. He's, he's you know, a little squirrely, and uh, he's not beloved on the PGA Tour. He had a moment at a match play event against DJ. I want to say it was last year where DJ missed a putt, and it was they had tied the hole. And DJ was about six inches away from the cup. And he just went up. And again, in match play, you you can give putts. You don't have to finish out holes. Yeah. And so DJ walks up. And again, I mean, we're talking six inches away from the hole. I mean, what what is the make percentage of a PGA golfer from six inches? Exactly. And DJ walked up and just scooped it up and picked it up and was walking to the next hole. And Kevin Na made a big deal out of it. If I didn't technically concede that putt I yet, I was going to concede the putt, but I hadn't conceded it. And you can't pick up the ball prior to me conceding a pot like he made a big deal so that is kevin na's uh personality i i will say though like of the cardinal sin of golf thing that would get me upset slow play is pretty far up there like that's when you get paired with somebody who takes their sweet time on every shot and especially if they're not very good that that that's a round ruiner for me like if i'm with, if i'm playing with one or two people and you're like three holes in and you realize this is going to be a five-hour round of golf and i'm going to have somebody on my ass for 16 more holes i'm not going to have any fun this afternoon but would that elevate you to the point of i need to i need to intervene and potentially punch this guy <laughs> i don't in the think face. so i don't think so i don't think it would right? quite get to that level maybe maybe a stern talking to or like a disgusted uh you know huff or look like one of those like Speed up a little bit. But I don't think I would actually punch somebody in the face. One other cardinal sin, too, that I've noticed, and I want to start spreading this awareness. I I have noticed, and I don't know how you feel about this, Eric, but there are a lot of people that chew sunflower seeds when they golf. And I I love sunflower seeds. I chew sunflower seeds constantly. Not usually on the golf course, but I love sunflower More seeds. More of a baseball game thing. Yeah, baseball game, sitting around. Exactly. Walking the dog, I'll spit them in the neighborhood sometimes. That kind of <laughs> stuff, right? I have no problem with sunflower seeds on tee boxes. On fairways and roughs, if I see them on the car path, totally cool with it. If you're a golf course sunflower seed guy, don't spit them on the green. I, I, I don't remember the last time I saw that, but any if I saw someone that was doing that, if I just witnessed them doing that as I'm standing there, that yeah, that would be that get you to react, right? Like if I saw some sunflower seeds and I didn't know who they're from, I. My, 
probably wouldn't think anything of it. But if I saw somebody actually doing that, yeah, that that's pretty bad. Like, I don't want to have to. I already have to clear out a little debris in my lawn. Maybe there's a bug there that I got to wipe away with my putter. I don't want to be scooping sunflower seeds. Especially knowing that it just came from somebody's mouth. Exactly. Like, somebody just spit that out. Yeah. Now you're making me clean up. I don't have a blower with me in my bag. Like, give me a break, man. I think slow play and and witnessing somebody not behaving on the golf course and doing something like that, like spitting sunflower seeds, that, that to me, to kind of go to your point, would be the most egregious thing. But it's still hard for me to imagine <laughs> getting to the point where we needed to punch him in the face. Let me ask you this. Last one for you. You're playing and, and a group behind you is constantly hitting into you. Does, are you, does that make you angry? Because I know a lot of people that if, if you get like, usually there's the one warning shot, like, hey, your mistake, we'll wave it. Like, don't do that again. I know a lot of people that if you hit into a group two times, they're going to turn around and fire that ball yeah. right back at you. <laughs> just just I, hammer I it back in the tee box. Did fire the ball back at him, and it was kind of a joke. I think we knew the people behind us, but see, that's different. Yeah, yeah. if you know the people and you kind of laugh about it. Yeah, two times. I I just feel like, and I'm with you. I'm not really confrontational, especially on the golf course. I I just think that I would laugh and I would raise my hands up in the air so they, you know, there's the distance between them. And it seems like it, if it if it happened twice, it was probably just an honest mistake. Maybe like the third time, which I've never really experienced before. Maybe like the third time is the one where I would, I would blow my lid. Yeah, the top's gonna get blown. Like what the, the hell, first man? time is obviously an accident. Sure, or at least hopefully the second time is, you know, hopefully not on purpose, but still they're just kind of being sloppy. But maybe the third time, it's like, okay, this is either on purpose or they don't know what they're doing. Right. They're just sending messages because they think we're playing slow, even though it's not our fault. Like, yeah. come on, you can't you can't be doing that multiple times. That Those are some of the pet peeves, at least for me, on a golf course. The sunflower seed one I have noticed recently. Stop chewing sunflower seeds on the green. Just don't spit them out. Spit them out on the fringe. That's okay. I'm, a, I'm fine with that. Fairway are, are seeds. Are sunflower seeds that good that you need to have them on the golf course? I mean, I, mean, I don't think so. you peanuts or something? You'd think, right? Or take some pistachios or yeah. something, you know, little, little nuts here there you can find a way to get some i'm not protein. really a sunflower seed guy unless i'm at a baseball game yeah i feel like that just adds to the nostalgia of a baseball game i've never really had sunflower seeds on the golf course sunflower seeds and peanuts uh somebody said are they firing into the back of you because you're playing slow though see that's one thing it's hard to always tell when you're on a course like how can you fully see the group that's in front of the group that's in front of you no. Does that make sense? Like, no. that's the hard part is like sometimes you don't know the situation. It's like when you're driving in traffic and there's a car in front of you that's going slow and then somebody behind you is riding your ass like it's your fault. Like this. Where do you want me to go? Yeah, yeah. I got nowhere here, buddy. Yeah. There's a slow car in front of me. You got to assess the whole situation. Exactly. You need a clear picture of, OK, is that group? Maybe that group is slow. And then yeah. occasionally, hey, you want to fire a warning shot? I'm OK yeah. with that. If they're playing that slow and won't let you through and there's nobody else on the course. But if it's a log jam, traffic jam, like you got to take your time like everybody else, yeah. man. Be courteous. Uh, let us know what are your pet peeves out there on the golf course because Grayson Murray and Kevin Nall almost got into a fight down in Mexico this weekend, uh, or earlier this week, I should say, at uh, on the driving range. And so what are your pet peeves? Let us know, 503-250-1080. Uh, we are the host of the Grip City Golf Podcast, and we are filling in for Swag today who's uh, getting hammered this morning probably in Nashville. And uh, he will be back next weekend on One Week Filling. Let's talk about the big cat because there's news around around him and it is good we'll get to that coming up next this is golf in the northwest on 1080
180 The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Welcome back in. Happy Saturday morning to you. I hope you're on your way to a tea time. We got a little bit of surprise sun this morning. It is uh, 819 on a Saturday morning. Editor Johnson and Eric Peterson hanging out with you. We are the hosts of the Grip City Golf Podcast. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Grip City Golf. Trying to grow the brand, baby. Grow the brand. One tease at a time. <laughs> Why don't we, uh, before we get into Tiger, I will allow, because uh, for some who haven't listened to the pod, and we dove into this a lot on the first episode, but you got a pretty uh, storied past in the golf world and you worked in the golf industry for a very long time and then you got out of it and now we're scratching that itch for you again by doing the, the golf podcast but why don't you let the people know who haven't had the chance to listen to the pod just your backstory in, in, in the golf world yeah i wouldn't call it a storied past and come on it's storied business, for some of us who never worked in the golf industry that's you're you're pretty high up the pecking order i don't know about that <laughs> but yeah the, i so after college i you know grew up in southeast portland but after college at u of o i moved to orlando worked at the golf channel um there for six years which was a pretty wild thing i was telling will before we came on about what he was like what's it like living in florida and i'm like for a kid from southeast portland that was a pretty wild experience if i was from like south carolina or something maybe it wouldn't have been such a big deal but living in going from southeast portland to orlando was a big it was a big change but yeah so uh did that for six years worked in a couple different jobs in sales and marketing and then had the opportunity to move back to portland um and stayed with the golf channel for another year um and then moved down to Bandon Dunes after that. I was the communications director there. 
which was an awesome experience. And um, I've, I've talked about this in the pod, but I was trying to get you to get down there when I was working there. You, you were. were. You were always too busy. And then <laughs> I, I, I left and um, I worked at Nike Golf after that and back in Beaverton. But um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was an awesome experience to just go from this sort of humble, not really knowing much type of kid, um, didn't really know a whole lot outside of my own bubble. Going to Orlando was a, was a wild experience. And as I was telling Will as, as well, like it, it was fun to just spread my wings a little bit and get out there. And it's hard for me, impossible actually for me to imagine my life without it. You know, I met my wife through the golf industry and it's just crazy to think about my life if I hadn't done that. So it was scary at first, you know, like anything, like starting a podcast, you feel like you don't really know what you're doing at first, or I guess you probably did, but I didn't, <laughs> but then you get into it and you're like, okay, maybe I can actually hang in this arena. And then time kind of flies by and, and you look back and you're really grateful that you took that jump. So it was, a, it was an amazing opportunity to start. I was grateful to work in the golf business and um, it's been a lot of fun. What I think so interesting about golf more than anything else is the fact that it, it feels like most players have an extended imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just because of the fact that you like the way you guys play, like the rate of error is so high. And that's not saying anything negative about either of you. It's just the case. Golf is one of the most difficult sports Very to play. Very challenging, yes. But it's like you could have these really rough rounds and these really rough outings, and you can start to kind of have this low confidence, like, <laughs> snowball in your head, and then something else great happens, and then that totally reverses. It's, a, it's an amazing game for that reason. And I, I think that's part of why people probably like it, right? No matter how well you play, you can always play a little better. We, we've actually talked mm -hmm. about this. A lot of golfers complain about when they play a good round, the first thing they think of is how it should have been better. Right. I and shot a 78, but I missed three birdie putts yeah, that lipped out. It's like, well, 78 is a great round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and maybe some other sports are like that, where you're always trying to, that kind of that pursuit of perfection, so to speak. But golf, really, a big part of it is mental, as you all know. And I just feel like golf, it, it tugs at your heartstrings. It, it can be really emotional. There's just so many things about it that uh, that I love, and you, I feel like you you can play it for a long time versus some of the other sports. I'm just a old has been at this point. It's it's fun to be in that kind of bubble where not everybody is. Like Will's not the biggest golfer in the world. You don't follow golf, you don't play golf, but it's fun when you get into those bubbles because you understand how seriously people take it. Yeah. And it's not that big of a bubble, although the bubble has grown a lot. I think through COVID because more people have golf. I would argue now more than ever. And obviously there was the Tiger, you know, burst when it, when he came onto the scene and the growth of the golf game that happened over the last 20 or so years. That's pretty obvious, but it's fun to be in that kind of that niche community where you know the struggles of golf and the if mental you know, aspect, you know. right? Like yeah. when you're playing and you're struggling, like I had a round where I played horrible yesterday and people can relate to that no matter what your handicap yeah. is or what your average score is. But on the mental note of it that Will brings up, I think it's one of the bigger issues for guys at the professional level because there's so, and we talked about this a podcast or two ago about Scotty Scheffler who won the masters and he's kind of the new hot name on the market where he's this up and comer out of nowhere or not out of nowhere, but just kind of bursting onto the number one spot in the world. Well, he went from never having won and he's still very right. early in his career. Hadn't won to now he's won four times in two, two months. It's crazy, right? Like he's having one of the best years we've seen in a long time in just in terms of uh, victories, but we've seen these young golfers go on runs and he's not the first 
And a, a lot of it, I think, is because these young guys don't have the mental or physical scar tissue. Yeah. They haven't blown a lead. They don't, you know, they don't have those moments where they're questioning swing thoughts in between or have those bad memories because all this dude knows how to do right now is win. Yeah. Everything is coming up gravy. But you had Spieth get off to a start like that. You had Roy McIlroy get off to a start like that. Justin Thomas, to a certain extent. Brooks Kepka, who won all those majors at, you know, right in a short amount of time. Now his, his stretch of not winning one is kind of lengthening out a little bit and he missed the cut and the Masters. So a lot of that aspect of it, I think, for the pros out there, it's just, it's that mental. It's a roller coaster. Like man. you don't have that strength yet and that scar tissue. When you're young, you're stupid. You don't know, yeah. you don't know any different. Yeah. You're just like kind of young and innocent and, and letting, firing at pins. What the hell? But as you get older, that mental aspect, it starts to weigh on you it's a little bit. It's amazing how golf has its ups and downs like that. And you don't really see that in other sports as much, right? You don't see the best players in, say, NBA basketball go three years where they're just winning won three MVPs in a row, win a couple titles, and then they just kind of like go away. Or you just never fade see that. randomly. Yeah. You know, you see guys that, that have better years than others and stuff in the NBA, if that's the comparison, but golf just has that roller coaster, man, and it just makes it so hard. It really does. Let me sneak a, or sneak a couple of more pet peeves in here. We'll get to Tiger Woods in a moment because I do think this is a big story, and it's something that we've talked a lot about in the golf world since Augusta when he actually ended up playing and then you know, not only playing but playing well on Thursday, but, you know, kind of having his name and contention a little bit there for about, what, 36 hours and then fading but still making the cut and getting through all four rounds. We'll get to that coming up in a moment. Uh, somebody said, I'm not for playing honors uh, or strict golf in that regard, but don't jump up a birdie right on a tee box. That's fair. Is that a, is that a pet peeve for you? Uh, I wouldn't call it a pet peeve, but I, I certainly would honor that it, without even knowing the person. If somebody makes a birdie, I'll, it, I just sort of automatically have it in my mind that they have the tee. Hey, you're up. You're honors. Go yeah, ahead. I, I, I tend to just jump up and, and tee it normally um, if they didn't make a birdie just in the interest of pace of play. Me too. I think a big time loss in golf is when you stand around on the tee and like, all right, who's going? It's like, bro, let's hit. Come on. Just, let's just play. We okay. can continue this conversation as we walk up the fairway. Totally. I'm with you on that. If it's a par, you know, the winning score on a hole was a bogey. Like, dude, I don't need that tee yeah. right. You go ahead and fire away. I, I do. I'm with that, guy, that listener, though, on, on the – the the birdie aspect of yeah, it. If you fair. birdie the last hole, like I kind of want to walk up to the next tee box and let me hit first. I think know? if nothing else, it's just recognition <laughs> that you just had a great score there. Exactly. Birdie. Birdies are not easy to make. You made one, so go ahead. You yeah. get to tee off first. Uh, somebody said, I don't mind people listening to music while they golf, but I don't want to hear it consistently. And that, to me, is kind of a, a, a push back and forth between... I don't know if it's different eras of golfers or just different styles of golfers, but I see this battle fought pretty constantly out of public courses and on private courses as a member of a private course i know there's a few members out there that though if they hear music a couple of tee boxes over they're going to wave you down they'll say yeah. something to you and i know that obviously happens in public courses too and that's that's kind of a trend of like hey we're trying to have fun out here it's great weather we're drinking beers with our friends mixed with some of the more serious like please don't make a sound while i'm making a golf shot like that's a that's a interesting back and forth i'm pro music how are you are you a pro music guy definitely and my my music taste is pretty wide. I, like I don't, I'm not really specific on what I want to hear. I think where, where most people probably get, they flex up and get frustrated is not just the volume, but also if it's a song or type of music that they don't like personally. So I think some of it is just their own personal vibe of do, do, would I want to listen to that music? And if the answer is no, then my, my likelihood of not wanting to hear that is probably a lot higher. Right. It is, it is funny how the genre of music has a lot to do with it. And I'm sure a lot of people for that music for them, like out on a golf course is like rap. Like, hey, don't play yeah, rap on yeah. a golf course. This isn't fit. I had a guy who I played with one time out at Stone Creek. This was three or four years ago. We got to the first tee. 
And I, I appreciate people always asking, and I try and do too with music, and outside of specific circumstances. But when you're playing with people like, hey, you guys cool with music? Everybody cool? And everybody says yes, usually. And he's like, all right, he busts out a speaker, and it was like 18 holes of death metal. Oh, man. And I, you know, I did not play a great round. I'm not blaming it on the music, but yeah, it was kind of all right. It was like. a little weird. It threw me for a loop because I'm used to, you know, hey, Bob Marley, Jimmy Buffett, country, yeah. rock and roll. Like, you know, I, you keep it in that kind of sweet spot of we're outside, it's nice weather, we're drinking, and I, you know, a little, uh, little heavy guitars I was not expecting on the first so, so like, Was it four straight hours of that? Or did, were Pretty you much. It kind of wove in and out of some maybe more like 80s rock and, you know, a little 90s metal, but it was, it was intense. It was loud. There was a lot of screaming. It's like, this is not fitting my vibe right now on a golf See, course. See, now that we're talking, I would probably take exception to that. Would you? And, would you yeah, raise your voice on that. I would just think about a way to, hey, have, have you ever heard of Leonard Skinner? You know, you want to play that? Or maybe a little Tom Petty? <laughs> a little Tom Petty? Who doesn't like Tom Petty? Kinda Come put on. Put it back. Put the onus on them to, to change it up. <laughs> Somebody said, I honestly consider myself pro music. It's just when people are inconsiderate with the volume. That's fair. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be able to hear it, you know, two, three holes over. You don't be booming a boom box. But you got your little speaker in your cart or in your, you know, push cart or in your driving cart or in your bag if you're carrying. And you can kind of hear it in that 15-foot radius around you, whether you're on a green or a tee box. I think that's totally fair. You know what would be kind of funny is to have uh, some Bluetooth headphones in your in your golf bag, like on reserve. And so if someone's playing death metal or music that you really don't like, you can just <laughs> passive aggressively say, hey, man, did you, did you see these new headphones? Have you these ever tried these? You should put these you in. Try these out, man. <laughs> I don't want to listen to your metal for another 16 holes, man. I can't handle this. So there you go. I love these pet peeves that are getting texted in. Golf is, it's a unique game like that where we're all, we're all a little squirrely, a little quirky. And we, you know, as, as we've highlighted, every golfer out there is a mental head case. We all know this. And so we, sometimes it takes the perfect conditions to feel comfortable for, not everybody's comfortable in every setting. And some of it's, Hey, don't take my honors on the tee box. And some of it's, Hey, turn your damn music down. That's a little too loud, but everybody's a little quirky. And that's what I love about golfers. Let's talk about the big cat because he is back at a place where he has won. And it's a great sign for the game of golf. We'll get to that coming up next. This is golf in the Northwest on 1080 the fam. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. It's a good thing I didn't leave to go pee. Jeez. Come on, Swigard, sell your show. What are we doing here? Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Golf in the Northwest. Uh, we are uh, Andy Der Johnson and Eric Peterson. We are the hosts of the Grip City Golf Podcast. Go, go check us out. Give us a follow on Twitter at Grip City Golf. Episode five coming this week, and uh, we're going over to Jones Golf this week. That's going to be our feature. I'm excited for that. Yeah, and like we've done a couple pods like on location now, and I always think it's the most fun to kind of be in the the lion's den, so to speak, of the folks that we're talking with. And the facility they have at Jones is really cool. I'm excited for you to see it. What a great local company that has, I mean, just the products that they put out there. Everybody, I think, owns a Jones golf hat or two. And, like, and it's, maybe it's even a staple. your dad, because he, he bought it in 1975. Exactly. That company's been around a long time. A very long time. So it's a great like, kind of legacy company in the Portland area, family company. So we're excited for that. So keep an eye on that at Grip City Golf. And uh, you can find our podcast. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music. Everywhere you find your podcast, it's out there. So go check it out. Four episodes in and uh, episode five for us is coming this week. Let's talk about the big cat because how do you do an hour of golf radio and not bring up Tiger Woods? I'm surprised we made it this long. <laughs> we made it 33 minutes. It's like a new record without saying something. So the, the PGA Championship is coming up in May. Is it May yet? I don't think it quite is. No, it's the 30th today. It's coming up next month, and uh, it is going to be at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For the people who don't know their history at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was somebody that won a major there in 2007, was there not? It was in the middle of Tiger Mayhem. I mean, I remember that tournament vividly, and I remember Woody Austin was giving him a run. And Woody was kind of the blue-collar journeyman that Tiger has beaten people like that. But if you remember 2000 against Bob May at Valhalla, mm-hmm. when he, I mean. That's one of the all-time famous majors I mean, where he's walking in the putt on the back nine. The, the, and when the playoff and stuff. But at Southern Hills in 2007, Woody Austin was giving him a run. And it was just such a Jekyll and Hyde Tiger against David Goliath. I mean, it was like this really interesting story just for that reason in and of itself. And so now that we're returning to Southern Hills for another PGA, of course, we're thinking, well, the last time it was there, Tiger won. So therefore, he's probably going to win this one. <laughs> That's how it's got to work right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the the hole in one ball you own, isn't it a Woody Austin hole in one ball? <laughs> yes. Can you tell that story quickly? Because that story yeah. is amazing. So I got to play in a PGA Tour Pro-Am back in 2009, I think it was. It was the Viking Classic in Biloxi, Mississippi. Does that tournament still exist? I think it's changed sponsor and the venues changed, but for okay. whatever reason, the tournament is still, is still alive. But, um, so I got to play in the pro-am and, and during the, the, when you play in a pro-am that you basically go to a party the night before and you draw your player and our player was Woody Austin. And, um, so we meet him on the first tee and he's super nice. And I was in the golf industry. So kind of covering golf a little bit. So I obviously knew who he was, knew a little bit, bit about him, but actually getting to know him for four hours, five hours, walking around a golf course was, was really fun. And on the first hole, I hit a great drive right down the middle. And then my second shot into that, um, into that hole, we're playing the white tee. So I had like a little flip 70 yard lob wedge in there. 
and it happened to just crash at the bottom <laughs> of the flagstick and bounce straight backward. It was it was weird. The flag moved and one of those shots, you're like, "Ooh, that oh, felt good." Oh, it was crazy. It was on the first hole too. I was like, "What is going on?" I'm coming out so firing darts. And tap it in, and then we're walking off the green, and Woody's like, "Man, that that was a great tee shot, great second shot. Like, how many birdies do you think you're gonna make?" You know, we're playing the white tees, and I'm like. I don't know, probably just the one, Woody. I don't, you're putting a little pressure on me. <laughs> yeah, don't come out too hot. And here. So then on the ninth, on the ninth fairway, um, he we have another little exchange, and he's like, "Dude, you're how many birdies are you gonna make?" And long story short, I end up not performing to his standard. <laughs> but also during that round, Woody made a hole in one, which at that point in my golf career, I had I think I had see, seen one before, but never made one myself. So when you see it, it's pretty special. And the fact that it happened by a PGA Tour player in a pro am was amazing and so w- when he does that and it was a long par three it was like two you know pga tour distance par three is like 210 not an easy he shot just smokes a six iron up there or whatever he hit and it just bounced <laughs> twice and rolled in it just you know you've talked before about how like easy it looks when tour players hit shots and when he did that it just it looked so yeah, easy no big deal so we're walking off the green and i said to woody like how many holes in one have you made and he's he goes i don't i don't remember i lost track and i'm like that's pretty crazy. That's a lot of hole-in-ones, yeah. man. So, and then, of course, I'm like, well, what do, like, what do you do with the hole-in-one balls when you make them? Do you put them in a trophy case or something? And he goes, no, I just give them to people. And he tossed it to me. <laughs> and I was like, well, what? Like, seriously, do I deserve this? I was just asking questions because I'm curious, interested. Man. I was trying yeah. to get a free ball. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I held on to it. So my And actually, I've made two aces myself, and I lost both of them. So, like, the only hole-in-one ball I have is not even my own. I love that story. You, and then you got a hole-in-one down at Bannon, and then you fired it out out of bounds on the very next tee box. <laughs> at Bannon Trails. Dude, yeah. come on. You got to put that thing in the back. Yeah. So I love that you got two aces. You don't own either of those balls anymore. But Woody Allen, we own his hole-in-one golf ball from a pro-am. I love that story. He did finish second to Tiger in 2007 at the PGA Championship. And it's back at Southern Hills uh, in May, the PGA Championship. A couple angles on this. We'll talk about the change in schedule here in a moment because I do think it's it's great for golf. And as you pointed out on our last podcast, it, we shouldn't give them credit because this was the obvious thing to do. But we'll highlight that in a moment. But he was uh, out there playing a practice round this week. And whenever Tiger's doing something like that, like when he showed up to Augusta, cameras people attention it's like oh my god tiger's playing could golf be eating a sandwich and there'd be social media video <laughs> people about are it. swarming around him uh, carrie cosby is the director of golf at southern hills and he ended up caddying for tiger for his uh, practice rounds out there and he was walking around his 13 year old son was out there as well um and so he, he ended up doing an interview with michael breed on on sirius xm the, the pga tour uh, channel and he, he talked about how many people were there he said it was crazy uh he tried to tell people uh, around the course don't mention anything about tiger being here somehow word got out oh, gee and so there were a ton of people lined up in like trees around the course and he thought he was going to get fired the tiger was going to be so pissed but i think he ended up you know having a he said on the fourth hole there's like 50 to 70 people that show up on the hill overlooking the hole by the time we get to six there's 30 to 40 people in the trees across the street with television cameras <laughs> and phone pictures saying we we love you, Tiger. Go get him, Tiger. So he thought he was going to get fired, but he did talk about um, the the round that he played and the style in which he played. And he said he never once swung anything out of perfect rhythm. Uh, he never went out of a shot. He just he said his grip looked perfect. And so he highlighted that Tiger was in a really good spot with his game. And, you know, I think we we talked about it after the Masters. 
it, it, it's easy to focus on the end result and kind of the limping at the end. The exciting thing for me was you could tell based on the way that he played Thursday and Friday, really before the conditions got super bad on Saturday at Augusta, which your first tournament in contention or in competition in a long time. And you got those conditions at Augusta. You're not going to score very well. You could tell that the game was there and it was really just about, can you find ways to strengthen the leg and make sure that stamina is there for a Sunday. But I left really encouraged. And at least according to the head pro out at Southern Hills country club, his game is in great shape. And here comes tiger fever again for the PGA championship. Yeah, And I think that even when people didn't really think that he was going to play at the masters, I think that the positive sign going into the masters was that you'd see video of him hitting long shots on the driving range, whether with driver or whatever it was. But the question I had in my mind was, is he going to be able to hit those touchy little chip shots, especially around Augusta where the greens are just so penal if you don't hit it in the exact right spot? The fact that he had that dialed, like that made me be like, wow, I think that he's ready for this. And major championship setup, like really long rough. That'll be interesting, you know, because at Augusta, there's no rough basically at all. Right. So when he ha- if he has to hack it out of a, a really juicy lie out of the rough, We'll be interesting to see how his knee and his, his body responds to that. But I don't think there's any questions anymore about his touch around the green, his his ability to get it up and down. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does well. I, I, I don't know. We haven't talked about, like, what is our exact expectation of him? But just based on what we saw on Thursday at Augusta, and then, like you said, the wind kind of blew everything up for everybody on, on Friday, Saturday. But I wouldn't be surprised if he made the cut at the PGA. I'd be surprised if he was in contention, but I wouldn't be surprised if he made the cut. Yeah, I mean, if you can make the cut at Augusta in those conditions, I'm going to probably pick you to make the cut again at Southern Hills. Uh, And I I don't know as much, obviously, about Southern Hills. He's kind of random courses that show up as majors every now and then. Uh, You're just not quite as familiar with him. I do remember the 2007 PGA Championship that he won. But the fact that he can do that at Augusta, it it leaves you encouraged. And I think it's really exciting you know, who knows what his future is going to be in the game of golf. And I, we, we have highlighted and, and everybody has highlighted. It's probably going to be five, six, seven tournaments a year. Like if you could get his dream scenario where you're playing majors, maybe you're playing the players, you're playing, he's got his own tournament that I'm sure he wants to play in. So you're going to see him on a somewhat limited basis. And it's probably not going to result in a lot of wins, but as we all know around the golf industry, and I know some golf folks, and I hear from them occasionally, that they don't like that he sucks up so much attention because they think it deflects from you know all the great young players and how it's the, as deep a field as we've ever had. And look, I understand that to a certain extent, but I also come at this from the what's best for the game of golf. And what's best for the game of golf is Tiger Woods playing in, in tournaments and playing in majors because it just brings a different set of eyeballs on your product. It does. Like when you have, he is the most influential golfer of all time. There's no doubt about that. The most influential sportsman. And you probably. can easily argue that, right? He's up there with some of the greatest of all time and most influential of all time. Like he changed the game of golf when he burst onto the scene, when prize money, like we, we had Peter Jacobson on the podcast and we were just joking with him about how much money he made winning tournaments back then uh, in his career and he won a handful of them in his career and then you look at what the prize pool and the purse money is now like that is basically directed at Tiger Woods when you have guys you have guys on tour now like Justin Thomas has been public about just saying that like uh, his life on tour would be so much different if it weren't for Tiger if and it wasn't money, for the impact he made the, the the purses that he's affected like you said it's pretty remarkable and I, I don't necessarily agree with those people who say that it's too much I, I think that 
you, I lean in more when he's when he's playing, and I'm a fan anyways, right? So do you want to talk about taking people that weren't going to watch it all to then watching, you know, getting new eyeballs on? But I think it also causes people who were going to watch anyway to be more engaged than we would be otherwise. And like you said, I, j- I just don't think that it's bad for the game of golf. I think it's great. I think that it brings people in. And what's so what's so bad about that? We should always be, and, and especially in, unless you're the NFL, because the NFL can do whatever it wants. If you're not the NFL, your policy in terms of the sport and the growth of it should always be, let's get the biggest tent possible. Yeah. How do you get as many people into this tent as you possibly can? Because it's going to grow the interest. It's going to grow the ratings. It's just going to make it more fun and enjoyable for you. Like on, on Thursday at the Masters, I, I moved on Wednesday, and so I picked a great weekend to move. Just horrible timing on my part. Although I made sure the cable guy got there on Wednesday. We were all we were dialed in. We were ready to go. I had internet and I had cable. I woke up Thursday. I took the day off because we just had a million things to do around the house. But as we, I think we were painting the living room that day because I just wanted to get it done with. And what did I what did I have on my TV while I was painting? Yeah. The ESPN Plus featured group of Tiger Woods. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, I, for the four hours that morning, I watched his entire golf round. Mostly in the background, just listening to it because I was doing stuff around the house. But that was the main thing I was interested in. I wanted to see how he was going to play. He was back on the course. And I'm like you. I love golf. I, I will follow and watch every tournament, essentially. There's just a different level of excitement when he's in the mix, man. Do you think he's going to perform well at Southern Hills? I do. I, 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 I'm not making a bet on him to win. I just think you're kind of throwing your money down the toilet a little bit with that. But if you can find some, we can get to this in the final segment today, just some gambling angles. If there's a top 20 bet on him, if there's, I don't know what the odds are on him to make the cut, those kind of bets, I'm 100% interested in making those. Uh, Although the tough part with Tiger, it's like gambling on the Yankees or the Cowboys or it's just the odds are always a little inflated because so many people gamble on him. Uh, So that, that does dampen the payout a little bit. But I, I'm willing to put a few bucks on Tiger Woods finishing at a top 20 or making a cut. Those kind of angles at Southern Hills, there's no doubt. And he's got to announce officially that he's playing, but he's there playing practice rounds this week. That's a good sign that he's going to be playing in the PGA Championship. So let's close up with a couple of gambling, gambling angles uh, on the world of golf. Also, there's a question that I want to throw at you, Eric, and I'm curious how uh, you feel about this and what advice you would give to this person. So we'll close up there next. Golf in the Northwest here on 1080 The Fam. After the end of a good fight, deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. 847 as we uh, wrap up Golf in the Northwest here on a Saturday. Andy Dur Johnson, Eric Peterson hanging out with you. We do the Grip City Golf podcast. You can go check us out on Twitter at Grip City Golf. 
Give us a follow. we got four episodes up and a fifth one coming this week. It's been fun to do, and we love talking golf. Somebody asked in that segment we are talking about Tiger, why does it matter how many people watch golf? Uh, I just I think the more ratings and the more interest you get in your sport, it's just it's it, there, there's positives that kind of trickle down, if you will. Um, the, the entertainment value I think goes up with Tiger undoubtedly, but when more people watch, just having a larger conversation, having more people interested in the game of golf, like I I talk about this sometimes on the podcast, like it's frustrating to me, like as a radio show host for three hours a day, Monday through Friday, I wish I could talk more golf. I would love to. And that's honestly why I started the podcast was because when I bring up golf, uh, you know, Monday at 845, because there's something that Phil Mickelson said about the LIV tournament that interests me. I'm going to get met with who cares? Like, I don't care. I don't. People, people want to hear about Ducks football. Yes. Beavers football. Is Bo Nix going to be the starter? Who, you know, what's the, what's the recruiting class going to look like? What's, you know, who are the Blazers going to take in the lottery? And look, I'm interested in all those things too. And I love talking about all those things, but that's why we started the golf podcast was just, there's a lot more golf that I want to discuss and storylines that I find interesting. And so the more people that watch, the more people that are interested in your sport, the more you're growing the conversation about your sport. I just, I, I think every sport outside the NFL doesn't have to worry about this. Every other sport should be focused on how do we reach the most people possible just in order to grow our, our umbrella of who's underneath it, how many people are playing, what's the youth level impact of it. Like I just I, that that would always be my mindset at a sport, and that's why I think it does matter to golf how many people watch week in and week out. Well, th- oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I, of course it matters. I mean, I, I don't maybe I don't understand the question, like why why does it matter how many people care? But I think it's amazing. Like, and Tiger moves the needle in ways that like no other athlete really can do. I mean, maybe Michael Jordan. Maybe you could put him in there, but t- tell me another athlete that moves the needle like Tiger. Yeah, I mean, Michael was it for the NBA, obviously, in the 90s, and he was just a rock star everywhere he went. People followed and wanted to talk about him. I mean, th- th- you're, those that's kind of the stratosphere that you're talking about. I think one thing about that question that I would say it really doesn't matter, and I think why people question it is because of finances and because of marketing and promotion, because there's this whole push now with baseball the idea that like yes they're making money off their uh broadcasting rights on a local market but nationally it is like a money suck and so they say that about golf too and that like well if you have declining rates of people who are joining and uh, the youth movement then possibly you could lose money but i would argue it really doesn't matter because it's such a high premium and niche market when it comes to marketing anything that everything is high dollar. Like anybody who's like a kind of tertiary advertising advertiser to golf is like cars, mortgages, <laughs> uh, you know, like high priced sure. items from people who actually continue to golf. So like the advertising dollars will probably continue to flow because it will continue to be perceived in some ways like that. Sure. Like car Mercedes will always sponsor something golf because <laughs> they know most golfers through data they have, are more likely to be interested in purchasing a Mercedes, and they have the money for it. Yeah, there's always that market for it. There's no doubt about it. And that diehard market's not going anywhere. I think the the angle that I always try and follow through is you know that your market's going to be like, we take this approach as a radio show. Like, we know we have our P1s that are going to listen Monday through Friday for three hours a day. But that's great, and we love those listeners, and they're awesome. But how do we get more people to come in and listen to our show? How do you grow your brand even more than that? Like, we're going through this with the podcast right now. It's fun to do. We know we have our listeners every single episode, and we got our passionate ones. But how do we find more? I want more. Like, yeah. you always want to uh, just kind of grow that uh, that that uh, 
to use the tent analogy again. Like you just want more people in there. So that that's the angle that I take. But I do see what Will's saying about advertising dollars. Those advertisers are never going to go away. Uh, uh, let, let's get to this. I want to throw this at you real quick, Eric. I'm curious your thoughts on it because you were much more familiar kind of your time working in the golf industry. Um, and you've done a lot of stuff with youth golf and drive chip and putt over the years. Somebody texted in, I'm a P1 of uh, Dirt and Sprague, and I always hear you guys talking about golf. I'm 28, and I want to get into golfing. What am I looking to spend at a, at a beginner set of golf clubs? So what are we talking here? Like somebody that wants to get into the game of golf, they're just starting. What advice would you have on the kind of clubs that they should go buy? What a great question. I love that. I love that. Somebody wants to start playing more golf. Here we go. We're growing the, uh, growing the crowd one by one. I, w- I want to play golf with this guy. So what I would say is go to a facility that has a, a really established fitting program. I know like Redtail has a great uh, like demo set arrangement and getting getting fit and just go bang some balls and um, and just see what you like. I, I think that some people don't like to hear it. The manufacturers certainly don't want to preach this, but in the really early years, the equipment doesn't really matter. No, it does not. You're 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 better spending a hundred bucks on a set and four hundred on lessons than the other way around. And I think that uh, people like the glitz of a shiny new object and oh, I got new clubs. I mean, I'm in that boat too. But if you're just getting into the game, I think it, it's just good to go hit some balls and and maybe find some clubs that you kind of like. Certainly the the length of them, if you're really tall or really short, you know, you want to find something that's maybe cut to your size at least to some extent. But then after that, buy them on eBay or Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Just get something and go out and play, man. Find find some friends. I'll play with you, um, and and just get out and just get some reps in. And then once you're into it for a year or two, and you have a better sense of like what clubs you like or what kind of what it is that you want to get out of the game, then it's time to maybe invest a little bit more. But I think in those early years, invest in lessons and or just getting out and playing. Buying bucket a bucket after bucket after bucket yeah. at the driving range. That's how you improve. And I'll shout out somebody here because we did have a texter earlier ask about. Uh, we joked about uh, Joe Fisher, who produced our show yesterday. Joe Fisher is, was in that same camp of I want to get into golf. I want to try and do this. And we took him out famously a year and a half ago for a round of golf because he was bragging about how well he was hitting the ball at the range. He was like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And we're like, all right, let's go play a round, dude. I'm like, you got to get out on the course eventually and go play. And we took him out to East Moreland. And this was when they still had the nines flipped where 10 was the first hole. Yeah. And so we're, we're getting ready to go. East Moreland round about a year and a half ago, a year ago, somewhere in that range. First tee shot, and it was uh, about as big a slice as I have ever seen. Bybee Boulevard. Bybee Boulevard hits a windshield. Oh, no. So we didn't know at the time. We're coming down the second hole, 11, that par 5. We teed off on that hole. We're walking down, and all of a sudden, two carts are driving out towards us. And this is when, not to you know incriminate ourselves, they also had a strict like no beer thing because of COVID and all that. They can't. So we had cracked beers. We're like, oh, crap, we're going to get in trouble for that. I just wanted to enjoy a Coors Light or whatever. I got on the Coors. And so they come pulling up the uh, somebody who worked out there in this gal in a different cart, and they pull up to our group and they say, "Did anybody hit a ball on Bybee on the last tee? You know, on their first hole?" And I wasn't going to incriminate anybody. I yeah. just kind of said, "I wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't me." And Joe, you know, he raised his hand and he owned up to it. <laughs> ended up having to buy her a new windshield, and oh, so man. that was a rough experience for him. But I, the reason I bring this up was because I actually golfed with him yesterday, and we joked on the show about what's his over under going to be and what will he shoot. Because that was the last time I played with him, okay. and he couldn't figure out his way around. Like, it was it was rough. Yeah. It was one of those like you're just you're not hitting it more than ten yards. You're hitting it out of bounds every other shot. 
the amount of progress that he has made, I guess I think he's still probably shot a 105, 110, or 110, 110. But he he managed his way around a golf course, and you're hitting like normal shots, and you're still gonna have your blow ups here or there. But that progression, it was fun to see. Of like, man, you you actually kind of know what you're doing out here now, and that was a year ago. So did he share like what he'd been working on for the last year or so to get to that point? It was what you highlighted practice practice practice, just hitting as many balls as possible and so i love your message of like don't go spend money on equipment don't let somebody rope you into a new tailor-made driver yet eventually you'll get there and so when you're trying to get into the game of golf just swing the club as many times as you can find what feels good for you like we had somebody tweet us this morning i sent out a thing saying hey we're going to do the the golf in the northwest and he had just changed a golfer for life. He's now a 10-finger grip guy. Okay. He's not an interlock guy anymore. So you're always going to have things that you can refine down the road. But you just find that what feels right, what feels comfortable. And I think that's great advice for anybody trying to get into the golf world, yeah. man. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that also go out and, and practice and hit balls. But also remember to just have fun with it. Don't worry right. about your score as much, which might sound kind of cliche. But especially in those early days, if you're setting your sights on what what score you're going to shoot or am I going to make this six footer? I feel like most people would probably crash before they would get the get up there and, and actually turn it into having fun. I think emphasis on fun and keep it casual. As Peter Jacobson told us on the podcast, you choose to do this. You choose to be here. What a good message. And it is a great message. So when you're out there and you're getting angry about your scores and you're getting frustrated, remind yourself, you chose to be here. I'm a super senior. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, hey, Will, it was great to see you, buddy. Thanks for producing the show. Hey, you bet. I haven't seen you in a while. It's not the same without you, man. We miss you. You look more handsome. Thank you. How time. do I look, Will? Do I look okay? Well, this is the first time meeting you in person, and you are infinitely more handsome than dirt. <laughs> this is true. He is. So, he also yes. he, he can wear a visor on the golf course, and I can't I wear a visor. Say, we're trying to get Will. We're trying to get him into a visor guy. So. I can't. I don't have the oh face for visor. If you put dirt in a visor, <laughs> he would look like. Um, <laughs> damn, who was that old coach who wore the visor at Arizona? The football coach. Yeah. Uh, Stoops. Yeah. Mark Stoops. Oh, Mark Stoops? Yeah, you look like Mark Stoops. Okay. I can pull off the Stoops look. I can get angry. I'm, I'm going to commit to, I'm going to I'm gonna get you into a visor. Okay. All right. We're going to do this. I'm going to become a visor guy. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And uh, yeah, go check out the Grip City Golf podcast at Grip City Golf on Twitter. we got four episodes out, a new one coming out this week, highlighting Jones Golf, a great local golf company. We're having a lot of fun putting that together. So thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in to Golf in the Northwest. Swag, if he's not too hungover next Saturday, we'll be back at his normal job. And uh, thank you. We'll talk to you whenever we talk to you next on the Grip City Golf Podcast. You're listening to 1080 The Fan. Hold up the sack out on the sidewalk at the street and right. just see if you can aim it in there from the porch. If you've got a young golfer in the family, just somebody out there with a big wooden paddle and suck moisture out of the greens. Trying to make things a little less penal. Not making it so penal for players. <laughs> you know how easy I am. Yeah, I know. Fiji's <laughs> in Europe. Uh. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.